Alright, hard yarners. Hello. Uh, yes, John, John's back. He's you back. guys must be getting sick of John. He's just taken over. Um, no, a uh, very incredible episode today. Uh, great. We were, uh, we, we, actually we won't talk about what we've talked about yet, but we uh, would like to thank the sponsors of today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Raunchy Brewing. Uh, Co, they have a beer that actually tastes good. Quite a good beer. It's actually it's actually good. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but it is actually good. I do like the taste. Um, and well, when, when do I get my next uh, free couple of cans? I, I well, actually uh, got to hit up Andy to get some more because yeah. um, we don't have a fridge in here at the moment. But uh, we'll get some more raunchies. Um, it's bloody good. Uh, they got stouts, they got pale ales, and they got lagers. The lager is yeah. my favourite. So. Get involved, and more importantly, we got alltradescover.com.au. Uh, if you'd like anything to do with trades, uh, to have your your business covered. Public like liability, public personal accident, tool yeah. cover, just w- give the guys a call. 100%, because I tell you what, there's going to be I, – I, I constantly – and I was a tradie. Did, I, did you know this about me? I was a tradie. So Are you the one that hung the sign? I was the one that hung the sign. <laughs> is it straight? It's Do you think it's straight <laughs> or is that the camera? Uh, it's, uh, the, it's a little bit off. I can see why you switched to podcast. So I used, <laughs> I used Delby as my eye. <laughs> like, put it, but uh, yeah, I, I used to be a tradie and I've seen a lot of accidents. Um, yeah. And I've seen a lot of not just physical accidents, I've seen a lot of accidents that happen to things that happen on site. And um, I think it's definitely worth having. Oh, so. look, a lot of people just get on site and then they get told they need a certificate of insurance to get their paycheck. So uh, we're pretty quick and easy when that comes along. A hundred percent. We, uh, yeah, we really do appreciate the beautiful sponsor that you can see behind there. So thank you very much, all trades cover. And, and thanks to Sophie. Yes. What a, what a chat. Sophie. <laughs> uh, camel takeover has yeah, begun. <laughs> we have become the camel podcast of Australia, <laughs> if you'd like to know anything about camels. But uh, incredible uh, chat. Again, another adventurer who's travelled across Australia with camels. So uh, what do we, we touch? Yeah, what do we chat about today? Oh, losing camels. <laughs> yeah, losing camels. Um, oh, we, went, we went quite deep in places, actually. Yeah, a bit of resilience. Yeah, a bit of resilience and a bit of taking each day at a time. And yeah. A bit, Ever, bit of hunting and, you know, sourcing oh, yeah. meat and yeah. too. And, and solitude. Everyone's, everyone's solitude. got a camel trek inside them. Yeah, we've all got a monster inside of us. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, now, nah, very good... Uh, Good fun episode. I enjoy that. Um, I th- and our listeners love these episodes. The adventure episodes are, are going off with the download. So it's going to go very well. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Thank and, you. Uh, you need to get on a plane. So got to fly back east. <laughs> yeah, perfect. But uh, thanks again. And, uh, yeah, let's get hard. Let's get hard. Welcome to Hard Yarns Podcast. I am fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Chris White says, please <laughs> disregard it. 5D is actually a state of being. It's a unity consciousness. That was Hard Yarns with me, Frankie Rose. So I'm going to throw it over to your co-host. Daniel Delby and Cameron Brand. I would do this and then I'd gong. <laughs> Free in attendance for the millions listening at home. <laughs> Let's get hard. <laughs> cool. Um, launch into it. We can launch in. Launch into an, an annihilate as much as we want, <laughs> as Ben Cousins fam- famously said. But, yeah, cool. Thanks for joining us, Sophie. Um, Thanks for having me. You come from a uh, recommendation <laughs> from my co-host. 
<laughs> well, I'm just trying to outnumber you with camel pieces. <laughs> like it's a slow takeover. It's, so this is because this is slowly <laughs> just become your podcast. It's going to become just a camel podcast. Yeah, eventually. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We've uh, we've eliminated Delby uh, yeah. <laughs> for a few months and. Yeah. Uh, and now I'll be next. Don't get too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, to begin with, let's just talk about who you are and, and uh, why you have some similarities to, to John over here. To John. Well, yeah, I guess John and I are part of a, a pretty small club. <laughs> <laughs> pretty exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not many entries. No, not many, no. Not many application forms. <laughs> I don't know why. Mm. But yeah, we're part of a small club that has walked across um, Australia with camels. Which is, <laughs> I feel so weird being in a room. Are you part of that club? <laughs> yeah, in a room with two of you. Um, also, and this happened with Jeff the other day. Like uh, Jeff, you spoke with as well at the, yeah, uh, at yeah. the uh, talk the other night, and I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty resilient sort of tough person and do love to do hard things. I, I constantly preach, you know, the resilience and the. And, you know, I've done the 100 kilometres. I think that's really hard, you know. And then (laughs) you guys are in this room now and then Jeff the other day. I was like, oh, I feel kind of like (laughs) not insignificant but definitely compared to you guys, what you guys have been through and what you guys do. Trust me, I couldn't run 100K. (laughs) No way. (laughs) But it's just one day. Like that's 14 (laughs) hours of pain whereas you guys have done some – like how long was your trek? So I walked for 13 months, so split across two years. So I basically did six months of walking mm-hmm. and then uh, braked for the summer because it gets too hot to walk in the outback yep. and then did another seven months walking. So John's yeah, just it's, a, it's more of a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I went in a rather more of a straight line than John. I think John John's intention was to go in a straight line. I remember hearing about John <laughs> yeah. and being like, oh, okay, so he's going to walk east to west. Yeah. And I thought that he would finish before me, mm. uh, but then he took a bit of a detour and went yeah, to all, all of the states. <laughs> yeah. Started a year before and finished a year after. So Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So what... <clears throat> Where does it begin? Where does this idea? Because we've tr- I tried mm. getting this uh, <laughs> like off John, and I get an idea of now why he did it. Um, you know, for the the whole just adventure side of adventure things. Yeah. But uh, where, where does it come for you? Like, where does that happen? Like, where mm. like camels? Yeah. Like, what's the what's the thought process? Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of a question I get asked a lot, and I think people sort of just think it's. I think because people think it's such an out there idea and, you know, camels are so different for so many people. That's something they've never had anything to do with. Yeah. You know, people are like, oh, how did you just get up and have this light bulb moment (laughs) kind of thing? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. (laughs) But I guess, you know, yeah, there there was never a point that it was a light bulb moment. It was just a slow progression of things that happened in my life and then, (laughs) you know, it actually seemed like a very normal idea to do something like that. So was this a thing where you'd – because uh, I'll keep referring back to John's story. Mm -hmm. John had no experience with camels, no Mm. nothing, but – just went with them. Is it? Did you have a prior experience? Yeah, so I came at it a little bit differently. So I, I originally was working in film and TV about four years before I oh, cool. set off on my camel track. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I guess I started from nothing back then. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to take a little bit of a break from the industry. I thought I would just try find a summer job. I wanted to do <laughs> something a bit more with animals. Yeah. And. Um, I was over at my dad's place having dinner one night and uh, he said, oh, I've, I've been reading, you know, I was always interested in farming. He's got a small farm and, mm. and he said, oh, I've been reading about there's people that milk camels. I was like, oh, really? That's, 
it's pretty cool and random. And yeah. then I was talking about it with a, a friend in um, uh, that I'd gone to high school with, and she was and she piped up and she was like, "That's my auntie. Yeah, oh, she's the crazy camel lady. She milks camels." And I was like, "How the hell have I never heard about this? You never mentioned camels once." Yeah. And I, I sort of, I don't know, I guess I thought that was interesting yeah. and um, so I, I asked her if I could go to her auntie's, her crazy auntie's farm Yeah. and uh, I went up there and and there was about 100 camels on the property and yeah. I'd never really had anything yet. I'd seen maybe, I'd gone for a ride, you know, at a mm-hmm. fair on some camels when I was, you know, only five years old yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd had nef- nothing to do with them. And, um, yeah, I got to this farm and and all of these camels just surrounded us. Mm. And they were just so friendly. Like They were like big puppy dogs, basically. They came in and they were wow. resting their heads in my arms and they just wanted cuddles and pats and, yeah. you know, and they're huge as well, camels. They're much bigger yeah, than a yeah, horse. Yeah. So, you know, it sort of seems a bit intimidating and... And camels have this way of they love to get to know you face to face. Mm. Unlike any other okay. animals, yeah. it's like they bring their face down and they basically smell you with smell your face with their face. <laughs> and, you know, and a lot of people go, "Oh my god, they're going to bite me!" Yeah, but uh, yeah, they just really want to get a sense of mm. who you are. Do you remember you saying that with the trying to get them to accommodate to you you have to let them yeah come to you mm. yeah and it's uh, part of the i suppose the training process of them is eventually their curiosity is going to outweigh their fear yeah so, yeah 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 and then the telltale sign that they're starting to overcome that hurdle is when they start to come in for that sniff which is almost like the camel handshake yeah mm. okay yeah definitely like the camel handshake i like that yeah um yeah so so i just it was kind of almost yeah, love it for sniff or love it for <laughs> <laughs> you, you, sni- um, you sniff back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you shift their hands back? <laughs> Pretty much. And, um, yeah, I thought they were fascinating. And, and so I thought, well, well, I might, you know, try and get a bit of work at this place. And I started volunteering there. And then, you know, I was, it was kind of crazy. I was, like, every weekend driving an hour to basically go rake camel shit. <laughs> I was that fascinated by these animals. Oh, wow. and. And um, and then I before long I started milking and that took over from film and TV and all of a sudden I was a full time camel milker <laughs> and um, you know originally I thought I would just do it for six months and then go back to my real job and yeah. and and it was all of a sudden four years later and I hadn't didn't go back to film and TV so <laughs> but having a, a fascination for camels is one thing that's mm. cool. But then deciding to walk across Australia, mm. what like, mm. and and I said this to John last time, like, like it's a potentially you could potentially die. Mm. <laughs> Where does it go from like I like hanging out with camels, I'll milk them, I'm fascinated by them, to right, fuck it, let's risk our life for mm. some sort of adventure. What happens there? Well, I mean, so after the dairy, I did go. I wanted to learn more about the the riding and the trekking side of things. I'd grown up riding horses, and um, yeah, so I went to work in the Flinders Ranges, doing tourist treks down there, and mm-hmm. and then from the Flinders, I went to Uluru and and started working doing the tours there. And I guess all through this period of time, I'd started to read about the the early explorers and um, exploring parts of Australia with camels and. And I'd come from, I grew up in Brisbane, you know, I lived in other countries as well, but I'd never had anything to do with the outback. Mm. And it was kind of like the camels were just this window into this part of Australia that I had no experience with. And it kind of opened up this this world of, of the outback and the deserts in Australia. And 
And I thought, I really want to go and see that for yeah. myself. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and I thought, well, all these other people have used camels in the past to, to go on these big yeah. walks and adventures and they're, you know, the perfect animal. Yes. Yeah. Basically, yeah. you know, they carry a lot of weight. Yeah. You can't go walking across the country carrying your own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and they can go a whole lot longer without water than, than a horse. They so hold a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, he- I heard them described once as like a, a horse designed by a committee. <laughs> so it's like the committee's got together and gone, oh, yeah. now we need to go longer without water, you know, increase their carrying capacity yeah. and just put on all these <laughs> tack-ons and features. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. It's like every single part of them is designed, you know, for, for hot Arid conditions, yeah. you know. The well, they are introduced, aren't they? From mm. yeah, um, yeah. Where, 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 where do they originate? Well, originally they called the the camel uh, handlers the Gans, but really they were all the way from Afghanistan through to India, mm. yeah, and okay. the camels from the same kind of region as well. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they're <laughs> pretty arid, dry area. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And and so they basically came, they were brought out. Uh, to Australia to help open up these parts of the outback. Mm. Um, all the bullock teams and donkey teams and horse teams couldn't make it mm-hmm. that far into arid areas, and um, and so they realised these camels had been pretty good on the ex- with the exploration parties like mm. Burke and Wills and so on. Yeah, and so they brought them out to um, to do a bit to to carry huge wool packs and things for for export, and also you know fencing equipment or everything else into these uh, far remote far-flung areas and yeah uh, yeah, and then eventually they were superseded when trucks came in (laughs) and um so it was kind of funny they 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 were the trucks originally i guess trucks of the desert Uh, they were trucks of the desert and they sort of paved all these roads for then an actual truck and trains and so on to come in and and And, and uh, take over from them and there's still little remnants like the Mm. uh size of a uh wool bale uh, yep. Still to this day, so it's 160 to 200 odd kilos. Yeah. It's very odd size, shape and weight. You can't really manhandle it yourself. Yeah. But that's the size of what was recommended to carry on either side of a camel. Really? So yeah. even though the camel's gone, the, the wool bale price yeah. is still set on what a camel will <laughs> yeah. carry, which is yeah. pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah. And wow. I mean, they used to have strings. Like I've read they had strings of 70 camels in a row. These guys, and it would be two guys handling them. Yeah, you know, so it was yeah, pretty pretty amazing what they did with camels. And so, so I guess it was really just that sense of adventure that, that yeah, and we're finding that well, like commonly it, yeah. with a lot of people. You know, that's yeah, the lack, the well, obviously with this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, both of you and Jeff, the sense of adventure is something mm. that dro- – but I think everyone has that. Totally. To and for me it was sort of – I think it was – yeah, it, it was the right period of time in my life. I was, I was in my early 30s. I hadn't really done – I basically hadn't done a whole heap of adventuring in the past, but I was mm. starting to get a taste for it. I'd started to do a couple of multi-day hikes yeah, and, yeah. I, and I started to have that feeling of like, yeah, I want to I – I want to prove myself, you yeah. know, out in the bush on my own. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and that was that was a big part of it too is doing something on my own as a woman and knowing, you know, that I was capable enough yeah. 
And, um, and do you have a history with this? Like, is it is something that when you're when you pose this idea to your friends and family, are they like, oh, it was you know eventually going to happen, something like this, or were they like, all right, mm. this is a bit of a hard left for you, you know? Good uh, question, John. I think I look. I'd come up with heaps of hairbrain schemes. I was kind of like, oh yeah, like when I go over to South America, I'm going to get horses and do this big horse trek, and and you know, I don't know. None of them had stuck, and so I think when. When I said, oh, I'm going to get some camels, I'm going to walk across the country with camels, they were like, oh, yeah, that, that's a nice idea. You know, my mum's like, oh, that's a nice idea, darling. And, you know, and then it would just sort yeah. of fizzle, fizzle off and, and, yeah. uh, and it would never happen. And then, um, and then, and then it did, yeah. Mm. For some reason it, it just stuck and, and it was kind of like once I'd got those camels and started to train the camels, it was like I was on this invisible treadmill mm. and it was kind of at that point I was like, I don't think I can even get out out well, of this. And don't you think it's one of those things when you commit to something, and it's very easy to say, "Yeah, mm. I'd love to do this. I'd love to mm. do that." I used to do it all the time. Mm. I was a, I would, my mates would joke, "I'm a gunner man." Like mm. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, a gunner yeah. man, and I would, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it got a point where I got embarrassed. Mm. I was like, I do keep saying this shit. Yeah, yeah. I do keep yeah, saying yeah, I'm going to do something. Get pulled up on it. Totally. And then I was like, Nah, fucking go do it. Yeah. And now I'm probably the opposite. I'm like, Yeah, and. <laughs> Delby jests sometimes, he's like, we say we're going to do stuff with the pod and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, there are things mm. that we don't uh, go through with. Mm. But, yeah, 90% of what we say we're going to do, we at least have a fucking crack at. And, and it, even, like, travelling, just travelling. Mm. Like, the, the whole idea of travelling by yourself. Like, I'm going mm. to Europe for ex- nothing like what you've done, obviously. But I'm going to Europe and just the idea a few years ago of travelling by myself, solo, alone, was a pretty daunting thing because you're like i have to talk to people i have to get to know people mm. but now it's like oh, i can't wait i'm yeah. looking forward mm. to that that line i'm going to austria i'm going yeah. to salzburg i'm just gonna yeah, nice. go climb some mountains by myself yeah. for a few days like that's exciting me more than anything totally but, uh, and i'd uh, always had that like travel bug yes, you know? yeah, yeah, i grew yeah. up traveling my parents travel a lot we moved to different countries and it was just mm. this was almost i guess yeah in in a way, an extension of that. I was like, yes, yeah, I want to see this part level, of yeah. Australia that I've never seen. And it was just like, oh, well, I happen to be working with camels, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I know that. And I think, you know, part of the thing that got me stuck into it too is like, I'd been in a pretty serious relationship at the time and then, and then it had kind of started to crumble in a way because of this obsession with wanting to do this trip yeah so once that relationship started to crumble i was kind of like shit i have to i have to do it like i've, I've sort of lost well, I was lost gonna, this because of that and i was gonna ask that before because you just met your partner he, not the partner that not, was not the partner that just uh no, just she, came in here she, she did a swap <laughs> okay. one out of, one out on the beginning <laughs> yes. and then just pick up a new one <laughs> on the way you know, like. so did you have it was a part- not my intention John. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> did you have a partner through like during the trip or during the the process because that's no a big no thing. that's it yeah so so I, my my ex-boyfriend Sam who I write about my book and um he yeah it was a, it was a huge part of my life but then I had made this decision to to walk across the country with camels and mm-hmm. and our lives were just going in different directions you know I was spending more and more time in the outback and mm. and it was a, becoming a long distance relationship and and yeah things were things were crumbling so mm. um so then when we did finally break up there was it kind of gave me this I guess this yeah this window of of like a green time light. and yeah. light, yeah, mm. in my life. And, 
and I think you, uh, you know, when you've got to lift everything on and off the camel every day, you've got to avoid excess baggage. So she... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, uh, that's obviously because that would have been a challenge regardless if you're going to try and do some one of the, a trip like this. You know, you, you battled with not seeing... I mean, you battled with not seeing your um, son because he lives overseas. But, like, being away from family and stuff like that would have been uh, just... Bad enough as it is, like parents or uh, mm. kids or I don't know, whatever you... Well, throwing, I guess, uh, yeah, throwing COVID mm. is what sort of crept up all of a sudden when mm. when I left. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd actually thought, you know, after I realised that, that Sam, my ex-partner, was definitely not interested in, in joining me on the trip, <laughs> I'd sort of thought, oh, maybe I'll have other people, you know, come along and might yeah. come for, for a time here and there mm. and, you know, I'll have enough camels that they'll... You know, I'll have enough to be able to carry other people's gear. And 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 it was almost like everything was going on in my life that was saying, you need to do this on your own. Mm. Like, this needs to be your own trip. Oh. And COVID was a massive one of those. So not even yeah. my dad could... I, I basically trucked, I trucked the camels into Western Australia and then a week later, everything blew up with COVID. It was at March 2020 and mm. I actually got locked into the state that wow. I was going to start in. And then all of the smaller regions started to get locked down too and it was everything was up in the air and I sort of I wondered whether I was even going to be able to, to mm. start so um, was there was there a lot of fear around that solo element because like uh, just to describe to some of the uh, the listeners here uh, I start on the east coast and I'm straight town hopping mm. you know yeah, uh, yeah people are calling it a glorified pub crawl yeah, yeah. so I might not have had <laughs> friends along with mm. me I but, but I, was ma- I was making them in every town mm. and mm. And the gaps just got bigger along the way. So I eased my way into the solitude of the trip. Mm. I uh, did not. And <laughs> old Soph, like, one minute is planning a trip with her boyfriend and the next minute she's in the middle of the Western Deserts completely by herself during a drought <coughs> and during COVID. So, so like, it's almost the cliche finding yourself sort of trip. Is that almost what it felt like? Because that's, yeah. that, that solitude is... Or was that forced into it? Like, really? Yeah. yeah. It was, in a way, forced into it, I think. Like, yeah. I did, wasn't never an... Inte- like, I guess I wanted to, to test how tough I was, but I don't think I even knew how tough it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and yeah, I was, I was totally naive. Like, setting off, I... I, I, I don't know. I just didn't realise how vast and how remote mm. WA, especially, yeah. would be. Yeah, where did you set off from? From Shark Bay, so just north Up of Geraldton, yeah. yeah. So I, I have this distinct memory of I was sitting in the truck when we were coming from Uluru and we came, um, when I say we, it was me and my friend Greg who I was working with at, at um, Uluru Camel Tours. He helped me truck the camels over and um, we drove the Great Central Road over, which is a pretty remote road. It's yes. one of those yes. roads that's yeah, always yeah. on outback truckers yeah. and things. And, um, and I remember just sort of coming up this rise and then just seeing all of this mulga as far as the eye could see. Was mulga? Not. So mulga's like a – it's like the predominant sort of tree, tree yeah, okay. out in the outback. It's a type of acacia tree. It's Great, it's great firewood. Great firewood. Okay. Acacia tree, doesn't if, it? If you've got a chainsaw. <laughs> so like a, a, yeah. Something I was not carrying. <laughs> Does the acacia tree just – 
little side note. Does it, is that the one mm-hmm. that has traces of like DMT or the highest traces, my friend? Oh my lord! <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did I not know this? <laughs> um, you'd have to you'd have to know the correct way to like extract it and oh, just trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of time alone out there. <laughs> but to come from like to, to you, Shark Bay is. Incredibly beautiful. Just mm. the, the well, the bay mm. itself, the water, beautiful. and then to leave beautiful. there, and then leave there, and then it was a, yeah, a reality check. Yeah, because yeah. all of that that mulga that I'm talking about, it's very sort of grey. Yes, bland grey brown, uh, and it's dense actually. Which mm. what you don't realise is you know you think oh it's a sort of vast empty space, mm. but it's actually sort of like a flat forest. Yeah. If you've been in, if you've ever been in this flat forest, it's like it it's suffocating almost. Like wow. there's not even a rise to get up to be able to see out. You just feel like you're <sighs> you're just lost in this endless forest. And and when you're out of it, you're on a, a dirt road that's just heading dead straight into the horizon with nothing else. And thinking, oh my god, it's going to take a bloody long time and, to and go and step by step down and the down mul- that road and the mulga tree as well um the, so they call the king brown snake the mulga snake oh. uh, because if you get a, a scratch and it kind of the mulga tree mm. gets into your skin yeah got uh, a sort of se- yeah yeah and it can it replicate some of the uh, some of the symptoms that uh, you, you have when you uh, get bitten mm. by the mulga snake yeah aboriginal people used to make it into spears and they used to sp- um, really? Yeah, animals with it because it actually, yeah, it had an effect on them that mm. it would, you know, oh wow, create a, you know, Fuck. a wound that went septic. So Speaking of snakes and stuff, because that that's got to be a, a, a huge issue, and I, I can't remember. We, I'm sure we would have talked about it, but snakes and stuff like that must be on your mind. Actually, weirdly, weirdly not. It's one of the most common questions I get, and and I don't have any cool snake story to come yeah, up with yeah. it because it's mainly winter time when you're walking, so all of the snakes in hibernation. And I think although camels are quite silent with those big soft pads that they yeah. have, there's probably actually quite a bit of vibration yeah. that's going into the ground to mm-hmm. sort of scare snakes away. So actually, the only time I saw snakes was was if I stopped at a, I think once when I stopped at a homestead. Mm. And it was like in the hay shed or something like that. So w- w- one of the other things that I think listeners got to understand, I'm a 90-odd kilo guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sophie's everything of... <laughs> when, I, when I first saw you on the camel track, you were down to like 50 kilos. Wow. Something like I'm a big fatty now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I, th- I think, yeah, you've put on some good condition. <laughs> um, the... Um, uh, th- that really limits what you can take, mm. what you can do. Like, I can have bags up to your weight. Mm. You can't lift a bag of your own weight on and no. off every day. So you had a very different style camel mm. track to what I had. Like, Hugely I, I, different. I think you've got to yeah. run through with people, like, how mm. basic you lived for that year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I thought I was carrying a lot of gear, you know, but until <laughs> I met John, <laughs> <laughs> then I realised, yeah, how toned down mine was. Um, Glamping. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even take a chair. Like, I lived for two years basically without no without chair. a chair. No, no, you know, not a fold up. No. Like, I think. No. I think. Think John. John had like enough for like a, a that's, whole that's party. On, <laughs> yeah, that's on you. That's <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah, no. Nah, I went. I went very minimal. Uh, John took 
a fridge on his camels. There was no fridge for me. There was uh, there was uh, many many cans of tuna and lentils and so on. Yeah. We were literally just joking about it this morning. John yeah. was like, "Oh, it's so tough, you know, when you have to stock up on your all your meat and you're trying to work out when you're going to eat your ribeye or your roast." And stuff. <laughs> She's like figuring out which flavored can of yeah, tuna. Which, ooh, maybe it's lemon and cracked pepper today, oh, like it was yes. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I love those ones. The, what are they? The green tea ones? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, but still, <laughs> after a while, I'd be a bit over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Muesli every morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, what do you eat on, like, because I, I guess that is part of it. We talked, mm. you came across roadkill when you were desperate, I guess. Yeah. But uh, what what's the, what are the staples of, of trying to survive through the outback? Um, I, The little bit of fresh stuff I took was, like, apples, oranges, sweet potato, potato. That's the sort of stuff that, that keeps. Um. The favourite items a lot of Nutella. Really? Nutella is the best. I went through spoonful, especially when you're having a bad day and then you're just shoveling it, mm. you know, by spoonfuls. Yeah, but wouldn't you be like, at the end of the got to ration this? Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes it becomes pretty serious by mm. the end. The Nutella runs out pretty quick. Oh, and the, 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 craft, um, the craft Parmesan cheese. The Parmesan cheese, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You sprinkle that on everything. But, yeah. it, I mean, it was... It was fantastic as well because, like I said, I was so so skinny. I was just shredding kilos. So mm. I was every curry or stew or anything I made, I was drowning it in olive oil and that Parmesan cheese, mm. and yeah, eating spoonfuls of Nutella for dessert. Like yeah. it didn't matter how much I ate, I was just wow. just losing it because there's so there's so there's, on a camel trek. What I discovered is that there's very little time when you're sitting. Very little time when you're actually needing that chair. Yeah. To be honest, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's you know you're up first thing in the morning. You're letting your camels off to graze, yep. and then most of the time, the biggest issue is that they they wander. They love to wander camels. Mm. So so they even though you put them in hobbles, which are little kind of cufflinks that go and round yep. their front legs and restricts their movement, mm. they'll sometimes go several k morning and night when you're not on your walk yeah. just looking for feed and that was one of the biggest problems when I first started too is like John said it was a it was a shocking drought in yeah. WA and so it was no food and so not only was I skinny my camels were skinny and they were wandering were you getting worried because seriously cause, worried cause not, yeah because then it's not just you you're like sitting there going, mm. well my camels could totally. die my camels and could starve oh, and it's the worst feeling like it feels like I guess if you you know you take your you take your kids on a hike. Not that I have kids, but they were like my big fluffy kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you take your kids on a hike, and it's like, okay, you guys are going to carry all the backpacks, <laughs> and then we get to camp, and it's like, sorry guys, there's no dinner for you, but I'll tuck in here and yeah. have some food. You know, yeah. it you, you just feel yeah. terrible because they're doing so much work for you. Yeah. And then you get to camp, and you're like, there's nothing for them, and they're trying to eat some tough bit of. Thing and then they're going, oh, that's not really great. Yeah. And then they wander another couple of k to find one little morsel. And yeah, and and especially in that dense foresty area, they camels love to be able to see out, and see horizon, because I guess that's where you know they they came from the wild, my yeah. camels, and that's what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, it's like they're constantly trying to escape this forest of of mulga and get out to be able to see the horizon. Mm. And there's no escape from it, so they just constantly on the move trying to run away yeah. from you and from camp and from where you want to just sit down and chill out after having walked, and, yeah. you know, and you've had for the, hours. You had a pretty full-on experience with nearly nearly losing them. Yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. 
So I was about probably about two months in and, yeah, it had been a tough – that first month was especially tough. How far had you travelled or walked? Uh, oh gosh, it'd probably be – probably wouldn't have been up to a 1,000 – Okay, by then it probably would have been I don't know maybe maybe five hundred or so, mm. okay. seven hundred or something. Um, and I was starting things had got a little bit better. I'd sort of gotten to the routine, and I was kind of chilling out a little bit more, and sort of thought oh, maybe I maybe I, after that first rubbish <laughs> month, you know, maybe I am actually enjoying this. Yeah, and. Um, Anyway, it was this particular day I had um, – it actually had it actually had rained the day before and um, and anyway, the next day I got up. I got up super early um, and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll head off. I was kind of – I'd been annoyed the day before because everything was wet and soggy anyway. I was sort of – Sort of thought, no, I'm going to change my, change my opinion. You know, mm. it's, today's a new day. going to have a great day. Mm-hmm. Um, set off down the road. Realised I'd gone the, the wrong way yeah. down the road. And I was what like, do you mean? How, how does oh, that happen? Oh, I just stupidly hadn't sort of looked at the maps properly and I was meant to take one dirt track this way and I'd taken another dirt track oh, that way. Okay. So I thought, oh, it's, it's all right, you know, nothing's going to get me down this day. Um, I thought, I'll just cut across the bush. I was sort of looking out to the bush and it was looking a bit clearer, it was less foresty and I thought, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be all right doing this. So mm-hmm. I set off across the, not on a track, not anywhere, um, you know, ages away from the nearest town and um, got right out there into the bush. I was think I was singing to myself actually this day, you know, holding the lead rope by the, by the end of the tip and then my lead camel, Jude, he saw a cow, a dark cow in the bushes. Nothing that you'd think would be scary, but to him apparently it looked like a monster. Oh, my God. All of a sudden the rope went taut. I was all of a sudden pulled face first down on the ground along the dirt. The camels are, you know, trying to get away from me. I'm trying to get away from the cow. And eventually I just, I couldn't hold them and I just let go of the rope. Yeah. And I thought, and I sort of could see all of this equipment starting to fall (sighs) off. The swag was down on one side and so on. And, um, and anyway, I I got up and I thought, oh my God, one of them is going to have broken their legs, but Mm. they were all up. And, and I thought at that point, oh, well, they'll just stop and I'll be able to, you know, grab the lead rope. But no, they just Kept took going. off, bolted, absolutely bolted. And mm. camels, they walk super slow. But I tell you what, when they start running, mm. they, yeah. can, they can cover a lot of ground. And it was kind of this situation, because they're all roped together, mm. they're all spooking one another. So oh, my yeah. back camel, Mac, he's got the jerry cans flapping about oh, on him, yeah. so he's running. The front camel, Jude's got the swag flapping around on him, so that's terrifying him more. And they're all just, you know, feeding off one another, running into the distance. Yeah. So, so there's nothing for it. So I start running after them, and as I'm running, I'm like, oh, shit, the phone which I was using to navigate on, I've dropped when I fell over and it's ages back and I'm now in this like I said really disorientating flat bush and I'm kind of like already I have no idea where I am which way that's happened and then I start to realize oh shit I don't have the sat phone on me I've packed that away in one of their saddlebags I don't have my EPIRB on me you know that emergency Mm. press the red button I don't have that on me I don't even have water on me I had put 
all of it on the camels. I wasn't carrying a camel back or, or you know, a no. water bottle or anything like that. All yeah. this is going through your Literally, head. Literally, yeah. All I have is my tiny little pocket knife. And it was the first time, like you said, you know. Oh, you'd be right then. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. <laughs> and like you said, like, I guess I never sort of thought when I set off on the trip, I never thought that it would be a life and death situation. Mm. Like I just sort of thought, oh, well, I'll just go for a walk across the country with some camels. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it sort of, yeah, it dawned on me. I was like, oh, shit, I'm actually in mm. some, like this actually could be a, a life or death kind of situation. Mm. You know, and I'm starting to think, I was running and I could see there was tiny little pools of where the water had sat from the night before and I'm like in my mind in this absolute panic trying to remember where these little pools of water are just in case I need to, like in case I can't get the camels back and I need to come back to these pools to to drink from to survive. And I ran for I don't know how long but I kept just getting sight of them and then at one point I caught up to them and I got my little pocket knife out Mm. and I thought if I can at least just cut the rope between a couple of the camels and get hold of at least one at the back yeah you know I've at least got something and just as I went to do that something spooked them again and they bolted and bowled me over and kept on on going so it was this and I eventually how how long are we into it now like how long have you been chasing these camels I don't know like I want to say an hour. Maybe it wasn't that. You know, it's yeah. one of those feelings where it, it go it feels like it goes on forever. Still, and I'm not even fifteen half an hour. Oh, like, that's yeah, a, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In the desert, totally. Yeah, yeah like not yeah. on a track. As exactly. When you're combining that mental and physical exhaustion yeah. at the same time, it just it doubles down exactly. and it just hits you twice as hard. And it's not that like going for a run where you're kind of like, okay, I'm just yeah. going to get into a rhythm of a jog. It's that running where you're like. I am running for my life kind even of thing and your lungs are burning. and Even just mentally thinking what, like the stuff you've lost. Yeah. Like, uh, did, were you picking it up along the way or were you like uh, tr- making notes of where it was because you're going to have to go back there and get it or is it just gone? It was just gone. It was just gone. I was just like, I just have to get these camels So your phone back. that you were like, using for navigation? No gone. idea. Gone. Wow. Totally, totally off. So like... I just thought all, all I can do is get these bloody camels back because that they've got everything else on. So that when I need. so when they when they're dropping out of sight, uh, you, you can still hear them. Or yeah, so yeah. I was having to like pause every now and then. I'm sort of like well, try and hear over the my own puffing and panting the sound of because I was totally yeah losing sight of them at times. They were going yeah. up and down these tiny little ri- rises and and. Um, you know, through bushes and stuff, mm. and I could hear the sound of the the jerry cans slapping around on the on Mac at the back, and that mm. was the only way that I, you know, did you have bells on them during the day or no? Because I used to plug my bells. I think you, yeah. you used to walk with your bells, yeah. dinging. Yeah, I used to plug them so that I didn't have that that sound. So mm. so it was really yeah, only the sound mm. of the the equipment kind of bouncing bouncing yeah. around on them. Yeah, so. Yeah, wow. so I got lucky. I caught them and that was only because my lead camel, Jude, he sort of circled around a bush and kind of got tangled up in the bush and tangled the back camels into there too. Okay. And that was that was the only way that I, I caught them. Yeah. So it could yeah. have been a disaster. Like, oh, yeah. What, like what happens? So well, I mean, A, it could be a disaster for them, you know. I mean, if, if they bolt and you don't find them and, you know, they're all – roped up up and you know it's not going to be a good situation for them and I yeah you know all of that stuff's going through your head kind of like what am I going to do am I going to have to try somehow magically find where the hell the road is I guess you know retrace my steps but how long Mm. am I going to wait on the road for anyone to come that could be days because Mm. no one was 
no one was travelling in COVID. No one was going down those roads and they're remote roads anyway. Yeah, there's this like periods like, of like over a month where you wouldn't see a person out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I probably – I reckon <coughs> in the whole first six months of walking – that I did, I probably had about six cars pass me. Well, judging by where you also <coughs> said you sort of walking, like, yeah. and just like I don't know, the the cliche is you're out near Wolf Creek. Would you be? No, <laughs> there's a little further south. Even <laughs> I didn't go that far north. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, near the top of the canning, uh, I think. Okay, yeah, 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 but that's that sort is. of like just instantly, not necessarily the Wolf Creek, but you hear the movie and then you yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that but would get like. Does I, that sort of stuff? Pop up in your mind. Well, like, for Sophie, it would scare Sophie, but for me, I would be the guy. That <laughs> <laughs> I was scared of people like John finding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two very different experiences. Yeah. And do I do remember having this one time, and because I, you know, I, I remember listening to all those podcasts. I used to love listening to those true crime podcasts yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then I got to a point before I left, I was like you need to cut these out of your life because yeah. <laughs> you do not need to be thinking about Ivan Milat and people when yeah, you're out yeah. there on your own. Did you have guns or I what did. protection? I did, I did. But then, you know, I mean, no one wants to have to use their guns no. for self-protection. Like, But I do remember I had but this even time. even for animals or anything like that? Yeah, you, yeah, for animals. Like for, for wild, mainly like I had them for wild camels out there, which was, I know, you know, a big problem that, mm. yeah, John had to. did you encounter many problems yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah, I had... Um, I had to shoot five, unfortunately, when I was out there. And that was mainly right out in the Great Victoria Desert. And as someone so, who had become so passionate yeah. about camels and, and so, um, yeah, it's such a big part of your life, mm. how did that feel? Because, mm. yeah, you, you talked about how the first camel that you had to shoot was one you'd spent the whole day sort of almost getting to know and it yeah. it was, in a, in a sense, pretty difficult. It so was, you must, yeah. It was. What I found amazing, because I thought, I, and it was probably the biggest thing that I was scared of actually, like before setting off on the trip, I knew it was inevitable. I thought, yeah, it's it's not going to be a case of if I have to shoot any from all accounts of other people having, you know, done any treks with camels. It was kind of like how many as opposed to, to yeah, whether okay. it's going to happen. And um, look, I got so lucky actually because one of the, I met some amazing people on the way that it was like these sort of people just turned up in my life or, you know, mm, yeah. on my doorstep, so to speak, you know, at the perfect time. And I stopped at one of these um, stations just before I got to the desert and um, uh, and I met this guy called called Murdoch and he was just a, um, a manager on one of the stations and I had no idea what I was doing with my rifles. Yeah. I had bought these – I'd bought these guns. I had never had any experience shooting. You had so multiple – yeah, yeah, I had it just a twenty-two basically, which was to sort of practice on cheaply, and yeah. then I had the three hundred eight, which was the big gun. Yeah, mm. and um, the three hundred eight scared like scared the living shit out of me. Mm. I was, it was heavy. Mm. I shook when I you know shot wow. with it, like the ringing in my ears afterwards. I just didn't even want to pick it up. I was that the, scared of it. Just the twenty-two is like a, I used to use that as a young fella, mm. um, and that, even that. Yeah, if, as a young bloke, as a teenager, I'm sitting there shooting it. It's quite fine, but yeah. I do recall my friend buying the three three oh eight. Was yeah. it? Yeah, and yeah. fuck, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got a he's got a yeah, a recall. A that's kick. for sure. Yeah, yeah sore yeah. shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Was totally. Not, yeah, yeah. And so I had no clue, and and all of these different people and. I'd met along the way, had given me various bits of advice, and I'd sort of been naively, naively just taken 
all of them, not knowing what to, to believe. And someone along the way had told me, you don't want to have a sight on your gun. Take it off. You know, you when you'll shoot them, they'll be that close. So I'd taken the sight off my rifle. Yeah. And it had no um, – God, I'm going to show you how little I still yeah, know about didn't rifles. didn't have a sight on the top. But it didn't have, like, another yeah. sight yeah, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. top. Yeah, yeah, So I got to this guy, Murdoch's station, and he was like – he was a – he happened to be ex-military. He happened to be an ex-sniper of all things. Oh, my God. And he was like, who the hell told you to yep. take the sight off the rifle? He's like, you might as well just go – you might as well be shooting with a stick. Like, well, you might as well be shooting blind, you yeah. know. Just turn it over no on the side, gangster. And so, yeah, this amazing guy ended up – I was only going to stop at the station for a day. I ended up spending four days there where I went through full-on army drills Jeez. with this guy. He mounted a new sight on the rifle and he basically taught me everything from the ground up, like all this, this stuff that no one had really taken the time yeah. to teach me, like how to breathe when you have the gun. And I just always remember him saying, he's like, you just need to practice with it constantly. Like the gun needs to be like an extension of your body. You know, mm. I guess they teach you that in the army. So he's like... Every time you get to camp, he said, just get the rifle out, put bullets in it, load it, unload it. Put bullets in it, put it up to your shoulder, you know, unload it. And yeah. just do it so, like, you just become comfortable with picking up this yeah. thing, you know, because that's just, yeah, I was just so terrified. Mm. And, um, you know, so I started doing that. It's kind of weird, you know, you'd sort of, like, look through the scope at one of your camels thinking yeah. this feels strange, yeah. you know. But just to get that feeling of, like, okay, where am I, you know, where am I going to aim for on the camel? And um, and so he taught me, yeah, everything, everything from the ground up, including, you know, okay, when you shoot a camel, make sure you reload straight away. It doesn't matter if, you have, if you've hit it and it's dead. Mm. Reload, approach it reloaded. Make sure you don't approach it from the legs because it could kick, you know, it could stand back up again and approach it from the hump side. Mm. You know, how to check if it was properly dead. Put your finger on its eyeball and see if the eyeball moves and all this stuff. So, yeah, I was so – I thought that I would be really emotional when it came to shooting my first camel because it was a full-on thing. But yeah. I was actually amazed at how much the adrenaline was pumping so much and I was so um, just – I all I wanted to do was make sure that I gave the animal like a quick, clean yes. death. Mm. So sort of like I went into this business mode and I was just kind of going over everything Murdoch had, had taught me. Mm. And but yeah, I mean it, it's it's like the I don't know if and anyone's where's seen. The, where's and, the best place to shoot a camel for a quick? Well, because death. I was not such a good shot. He's like, don't aim for the head, mm. aim mm. for behind the forearm because yeah. you're more likely to take it down. And 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 yeah, it's it's full on. So it was it was evening time. The first camel I shot, it was it was evening. I'd seen a couple of other camels and they'd sort of just taken off and it hadn't been a problem. Mm. And. Um, but the first one I shot it with, it was evening time and I was collecting my camels from grazing and I had just started walking them back to camp and I heard this deep it sounds like a it sounds like the kitchen sink draining, the noise mm. that the balls make. It's kind of like this deep but yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, good good bull camel noise, John. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Uh oh, yeah. I know that sound. And I was looking around for it, looking around for it, couldn't see it and everything. I was like, there's definitely a bull out there. And then all of a sudden he comes striding in from this line of mulga. And I was lucky this camp was pretty clear. It was sort of this, mm. this big spin effects clearing and then he was coming in. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy is this guy means means trouble. He's frothing at the mouth and, uh, you know, yep. 
tucked up and doula blowing out, which is a big pink sack that they have from inside their mouth. And, and he just didn't even look at me. He just was coming straight for the camels. And so I tied my camels up quickly and I ran and got the rifle and I got a jerry can and stabilised the rifle on that. And then as soon as he started started trotting, I was like, okay, that's it, I've got to... And, and how did your boys, uh, your team react to the first one? Oh, they were they were they were pretty. Ra- I mean, they're, they're not so much rattled by the gun. I'd shot, I'd you know fired off the rifle a few times, so you know, so they knew mm. that they were okay mm. with it. It was more the fact that then all of a sudden there was a a, a dead camel in camp that yeah. they could smell. Yeah. So it was a terrible night's sleep. I remember, like you know, they were just agitated. You can, yeah. you know, you know your camel so well, so you you know, I could I could feel their agitation. They were sort of grinding their teeth, and it was yeah, it was horrible. So. First thing the next morning in the dark, we were up, saddled up. I was like, we're getting the hell out of here. Yeah. Do, do, do you ever – one of the things I've been curious to ask, I was, I was taught by – or told by um, Russell Osborne, one of the guys who trained me at How to Handle Camels, that they've got this sixth sense camels, mm. that they kind of pick up if there's some bad vibe around an area mm. and you're, all of a sudden they'll just start to mm. – like be a little bit hesitant to go forward mm. or whatever and, and you're looking ahead and you can't see mm. anything you're wondering what that is and we had a moment like that where they were just really weary about going around this blue house mm. and i was like is it the color of the blue or what what the hell is going on mm. here and we, we get around and at camp that night i'm asking no you know what's with that blue house over there they're like oh funny story there was like a double homicide in that 12 months ago mm. and i had a couple of moments on the trek like that where I found about 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 the story after yeah. going past it and the camels were freaked out going through yeah. that. Did you have anything like Definitely. that? Definitely. I had this weird knack of, yeah, like, uh, you know, you start getting, you know, you, you, you hear of all these Indigenous cultures and, and they're quite superstitious. Yeah. I felt all of a sudden spending a long time out in the bush on my own that I started to become weirdly stu- superstitious. <laughs> yeah, right. So I started to believe, you know, in all these areas where I got a bad vibe or, you know, and I believed that there were spirits out there. And then I also started to think, well, maybe there's camel spirits too. And I had this real knack of always seeming to choose a spot to camp where there was a dead camel somewhere. So there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of dead camels out in the desert because rangers had come through and, the, and their class is a feral pest. So they'd yeah. come through and they'd it shot camels on the side of the road and so on. And, yeah, I wouldn't see them at all. Yep. And then I'd get to camp and my camels would be really, like, jittery and everything. Oh, for God's sake, like, everyone just calm down. Why are you – what's the problem here? Picked a nice spot with good feed and everything. And then, you know, I'd get them all unsaddled and then they would head off to graze, and then all of a sudden there was one spot I remember distinctly, and we found like 20 camel carcasses. And I was like, oh, God, we're in this like camel massacre zone, you know, and and it was this horrible camp where they just, they were awake all night, same thing again. They were, my camels were grinding their teeth, and they were just terrified. And I was like, I'm such an idiot, I can't believe I'm being a stupid human that you didn't see all of this. And there's a documentary on... The, the sort of cause of that, which is... Uh, yeah, Judas Camel. Ju- Judas Camel, Judas mm. Collar, I think is yeah, the... Judas, Judas Collar, yeah. Judas yeah. Collar, and... Yeah. The, yeah, because they're herd mm. animals, mm. they they go to get their... Uh, to go closer to their own kind, yeah. and yeah. then the, they would come along, track it along, bang, shoot them all. Yeah. yeah. 
in yeah. a big and I know they're a pest, but fuck like and yeah, you see this camel be, get depressed depressed yeah. when yeah. you feel like yeah. everywhere it goes it's totally it's yeah. And, yeah. And like, you know, John and I have discussed it too. Like it's just horrible to see the waste, you know? It, mm. they're, they're such you know, um, yeah, amazingly well adapted animals to our landscape. And so, and, to and see that's what I was going to ask. Did you eat the camels when you when you shot, or were you wasteful? I or? was. So we've got we've got a, a friend of ours, mm-hmm. and um, he's Don. this old Don, old Don. He's this, Don this camel man. He wears <laughs> shout, still, shout out to Don. He still wears suspenders, old Don. And and um, and I remember him saying to me, he's like. You shoot a wild camel, you make sure you cut off that back leg or the back straps or something, and then you can hang it on your camels to dry as you walk along. Oh my god! And I was like, oh my god, I can't imagine. <laughs> the poor camel, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine mounting like half a dead camel drying onto my live camel. Yeah. Oh, but, but it's funny when Don and he Don, would, he yeah, would. <laughs> when Don was out on the trip with us, we had um, uh, Brusky, my dog, saw a kangaroo off in the distance, and it. Dog looks up at me and I say, "All right, Brusky, yeah, onto it, you know." Go. So he puts his head down and he had enough on the kangaroo to actually get this kangaroo and take it down in front of Don. <laughs> so Don's like, "It's a bloody good dog, that dog." You know? <laughs> so I, I casually walk up to this kangaroo and the kangaroo is just looking at me. My dog's got the kangaroo by the tail and spinning it round yeah. and round and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kangaroo's looking at me just like, "Please fucking kill me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it dispatched the kangaroo, and then Don's straight over. Legs off, hang him on the side of the camel, exactly like I don't, like oh described. I don't think Don believed in my diet of lentils yeah. at all. <laughs> He's like, you can't just go out there and eat grass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this guy's like, you get you get access to a lot of these older guys that are just really into younger people doing this yeah. stuff. So Don yeah. was an ex sergeant from uh, Marie, mm. um, and. <clears throat> He turned from sergeant to camelier, from policeman to camelier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's into camel racing. He's probably one of the best camel trainers in Australia. Mm, okay. And, uh, but he's, you know, can't walk past a free bit of meat, even if it's been hit by a road <laughs> truck. <laughs> <like this. laughs> and he talks about the, the first thing when you catch up with him is he talks about the most recent free meat acquisition <laughs> or, or deal that he's got. Oh, I did a deal for two ducks the other day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we always, because he still tries to, he's, every time I catch up with Donnie, he still gives me all this free meat because he's still in this mm. sort of like, you got to put on some condition, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we call it Don's Mystery Meats because you get it out of the freezer now. Kind of like, is this um, camel or is it goat or is it kangaroo? (laughs) So my favourite local meats that I've tried, I like kangaroo. Uh, mm. You like kangaroo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's mm. rich. It's mm. a rich, like, a, I don't know if I could eat shitloads of it, like, night after night after mm. night, but I, I like it. It's a rich. And venison was quite nice mm. as well. I have always liked that. Uh, obviously, when I was six years of vegetarian, I wasn't eating that. But um, uh, I haven't had any venison or kangaroo since I started eating meat again, and I want to start getting onto mm. it. But uh, we used to shoot. I used to go roo shooting when I was younger. A younger man, and um, I loved the thrill of the hunt. I loved the eating of the food because I felt like that was the right thing to do. If you're going to kill it, you've got to eat it. But I hated the actual death. Yeah, mm. It, mm. it destroyed me. So mm. I loved the thrill of the hunt. It was incredible. Mm. Must be must feel mm. different when it's not necessarily we weren't doing it. We didn't need to do this. Mm. So we were doing it for almost like a hobby or a part. Sounds mm. terrible, but we were doing it for that. You're doing it for. Like, are you hunting your own food when you're out there or, or are you literally relying on your I liked, canned stuff? I mean, I liked the idea of it too. I mean, not so much, yeah, same as you, like not for the, the killing of it, but I sort of thought, oh, 
and that's originally why I'd taken the 22. I thought, oh, it wouldn't be nice to, you know, yeah. shoot a rabbit and then I could have some fresh meat. Yeah. But to be honest, I, I just don't have the skills to, yeah. to butcher and, you know, cut yeah. up an animal. And then also, you you know, you've had a long day, yeah. a long bit. And then the thought of actually then having to like, you know, you've got minimal water to, you know, mm. to get blood everywhere and then have to store this meat and mm. stuff. It all becomes harder than just you know getting a can of tuna or lentils out yeah. of your your camp boxes so i mean we were two people coming out of the city really straight yeah. out yeah. into this so because you, you learned it, on the fly hey as well pretty much yeah and it's a uh, you know if, you, if if you're a tradie or something you would have had some set of skills yeah in order to be able to bring something to the mm. table yeah like i didn't have a proper knife you know yeah. i had a tiny little knife for cutting the camel rope like i said that was still on I mean, when the camels took off, but otherwise I didn't have a butchering knife or anything like that. I, yeah, I didn't have the skills or knowledge. It's like the Delby of the podcast world, just no skill to yeah. do anything. Yeah, <laughs> does <laughs> the right route. Yeah, it does work. <laughs> just wing it. But, um, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Um, I guess, like, so did you did you cook any of your own food, like eating – oh hunt while you're at, like, by chance no, or just not no, at what about, all? What about a fish? Did you, did you – did you no. pull a few yabby pots? What I was like, what oceans was I going past? <laughs> no, no, nothing really in the end. Nothing to report of there. Hey? Yeah, okay. yeah, I know, and I felt terrible. You know, those camels I shot. I would have loved to, you know, use something of them at least. That is something that I'm leaning towards that I'd like to start to do. And yeah, me too. In regards to like the whole. You know the whole vegan versus carnivore mm. debate. What's taken mm. up more? Think I'd love to hunt for my own meat, mm. or you mm. know, I'd love to do that because one, I feel like I'd be giving almost. A, I would have a certain level of respect for the animal totally. giving its life for yeah. me, and and if it's wild, it's lived its wild life yeah. the way it should, well, and it's and probably going to die the a farm. You yeah. know, a lot more. You use every yep. bit of it. And you it's know, probably you, you realize how hard it is to actually. Yeah. You know, y- it's not just easy just grabbing you know a mm. steak from the supermarket kind of thing. Hundred percent. We're so detached from the actual animal mm. that's in the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. a fucking pit of a bit of mm. meat that's packaged up. I always up thought how good would it be you you get people to get. A, a meat license. Yeah. It's like until you go out there mm-hmm. and you understand the process yeah. you've been through. Like have an appreciation. If you're, if you're willing yeah. to witness the whole entire process, 100%. then you deserve the end result. Like, mm. it, you know, I'm not really a massive fan of uh, people uh, being vegan and pushing it on other people. Yeah. But it, earning your right to eat meat, mm. I, I'd be a massive fan of that. Mm. Like, you, 100%, yeah. you, you are strictly allowed vegan mm. until you earn the right. That's – and you know? to a point, I, I – I half agree, and I've been doing carnival lately. I'm back on carnival today, actually, mm. back on carnival. But um, uh, yeah, the whole vegan idea, like I, I understand the the empathy behind it, and the, and mm. it doesn't end up working like that because they end up killing fuck loads more uh, sentient creatures in the end when they're harvesting the the fruits and vegetables and whatnot. But yeah, that whole idea of one animal feeds you for. If you store it correctly, mm. you know, I can feed you for months. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and you can give it that appreciation. And honestly, the way it's going to die in the wild mm. naturally oh, yeah. is going to be fucking far more horrific and mm. painful than one shot to the head or one shot to the heart. Like oh, with with the camels, some of the camels out there, we will see a camel that's had its whole entire bottom jaw 
ripped off wow. in some fights. Fighting, yeah. yeah. And and if I saw one of those, yeah. they generally wouldn't come in to attack. Mm. You're, you're shooting that camel. Yeah. Because you're like, that camel's just going to slowly starve. Slowly die. Slowly. Yeah, there's just a lot of, you know, I think you get used to in the outback, there's just a lot more death around in general, yeah. you know. Like, it's amazing, you know, even things like fences, how, how much they kill things. You know, yeah. you see goats that have got their head through a wire mesh fence and mm. then, you know, they can't get it back out again and yeah. they starve there or, you know, a leg tangled, you know, emus tangled up with a leg, you know, yeah. and some wire. I had to shoot, you know, goats at water points that were obviously sick or, you know, in the process of dying. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah, there's you, obviously, yeah, you, you start to sort of, it becomes a bit more mm. common to see to see that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, that whole appreciation for the animal, mm. I think it's... It's something to be to be earned, hundred mm. percent. So, speaking of uh, animals, you uh, you met someone on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> what does that have to do with animals? <laughs> <laughs> is he bowling uh, next door? Is that yeah, what he's doing? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> gone for a bowl. I, I, I found out he was like the under eighteen number two in Australia for bowling. So he's like, "What am I going to do?" do really? Is that what? Is he actually next door? He's having a bowl. He was. It was like, fun. Yes, it's next to a bowling place. <laughs> Great, I'll go for a bowl. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So met the part we just met him before. Um, yeah. So do you meet him in 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 between? between. You said on you, this was a halfway across. Yeah. So you said this was a, a t- like a thing of two halves. Yes. Hey? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So I did the whole first half, whole six months on my own, and and. Um, yeah, then I I arrived in Cooper PD after about three months out, you know, virtually alone in the desert. Mm-hmm. And um, because I'd been working with camels down in the Flinders, I knew some people who had, had camels down there. So they picked me up from Cooper PD and I adjusted my camels in the Flinders Ranges with, with theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought, I've been out in the desert for three months. Mm-hmm. I just really want to take myself out for a coffee. Yeah. And I knew of this tiny little outback bakery in this town of 50 people. And uh, so I went in there for a coffee and it was November summertime. So all the tourists have gone. Yep. So like it's one of those things like if you're a new person in town, yep. you stand out yeah, massively, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I walked in and yeah, there was a young there was a young guy serving <laughs> me and I was kind of like, I remember being a bit kind of yeah. on edge. I was like, oh, geez, I haven't really, really had any kind of <laughs> All these feelings. <laughs> I've got a live one here. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and anyway, I realised that he knew the people on the station where I was staying and, um, and so we sort of finished our chat and, yeah, he, he asked me, you know, what I was doing. I said, I'm walking across Australia with camels and he piped up and he was like, oh, I've done lots of walking. How many k's do you walk? And I was like, oh, probably about 20 a day. And he was like, oh, well, I did a 40k walk the other day. I was like, oh. (laughs) Trying to one up the camel leg. Clearly (laughs) not impressed at all. And and we left it and he was like, oh, say hi to Paul and Karen on on the station. So then a couple of days later I'm down on the station and this guy Jimmy just appears out of nowhere, just drives into the station. I was kind of like taken aback. I thought, I guess he's... Guess he's come to see Paul and Karen, his mm. mates there. Turned out, I found out later, he's never been to just visit Paul and yeah, Karen, yeah. you know, at all. It was <laughs> it was clearly intentionally coming to see me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so this this developed, and um, before I knew it, so he was basically thought, "I'll come and say goodbye to you up at Cooper Pedy," and, mm. and I sort of thought, "Oh well, this has been a." 
been a fun bit of a summer romance, but yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too far, clearly. Um, if I found out that nothing's too far for Jimmy, so Man, he came the, up to Cooper Pedy. That guy did. <laughs> is insane. Came up to Cooper Pedy to see me off, which would be oh gosh, like uh, you know, six hundred kilometers one way, you know, wow. at least. Uh, and then and then every time I braked, he he came. You know, Kate, like probably the shortest distance I was was about 300 kilometres away. Wow. And then I started going further and further and and I was like, you can't keep coming and, you know, dropping mm. my food out to me. Yeah. You know, soon I'm going to be in Queensland and you're going to be driving like a thousand K out to see me. Yeah. He was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's just a bit driving. So, so he, he bogged like back and forth <laughs> back uh, over the next six months. Uh, That's in, and out, in and out, in and out, in wow. and out. It's like, <laughs> I was about to say that's like, uh, no, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked, I walked close to 5,000K and Jimmy drove 16,000K back wow. forth, back forth, back forth to see me. And so he would, he'd come back home to the Flinders to the bakery and he would just go nuts cooking a million pies because yeah. he was still trying to run a business. Yeah. And, and then he would, you know, drive out to see me and then he would come back and Fun. be up at like one in the morning, you know, cooking pies again every day, you know, to stock up as much as he can to get and out it, and he, see me again. And, and he even stopped in to see me on the way to see her. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, so the, I mean, as much as so... I it, sent him up there. I was like, you got to go meet this guy, John Elliott. He's yeah. basically in your backyard as yeah. in like still another 400k away, you know. But I mean, so Sophie's, uh, I think, per the sixth female to walk across Australia? Number six? I don't even. I don't even know. Na- no, this this figures come Geo. out. We're not. Yeah, national. Yeah, Australian Geo said that. Yeah, so we'll yeah. just go. We'll go with that. First uh, female to walk with camels, as far as I know. Wow. The country. Yeah. 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 And, and so were you? Wa- and are you walking the I whole way? The like whole you don't way, get on yeah. the back or I anything? I walked the whole way. Yeah, yeah. Right. Every K they did, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, fuck. And so for two camel trains to pass each other, yeah. now, oh. now that's a definitely yeah. a first. Because you got yeah. just randomly bumped into each other? Is that how that worked? <laughs> what was happening? No, we were sort of, I mean, we were on, in contact on social media and things mm. and John had been in Tassie with his camels and he was coming up to South Australia and it was when I was in South Australia and we thought... Yeah, that, <laughs> is, you know, I know it's a big state, the but this is too, would have good been a, just too like good an opportunity to miss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we, we, we were kind of saying, uh, I said, where are you? Sophie asked, where are you heading? Yeah. And I was like, I don't fucking know. That's like a month, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah. A month away. John never planned anything. I was kind of like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To the, it's meticulous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started to realise that she's got this perfect plan. So mm. I was like. Look, you just send me your perfect plan <laughs> and I'll walk the opposite way on it <laughs> yeah. and I'll hit you. Yeah. You know, yeah. and sure enough, just the other side of um, Cameron's Corner, we, uh, we run into each other. And That's, yeah. Mm. That must have tripped the locals out. Um, oh, there goes the cops. Um, that must have tripped the locals out. We were like seeing yeah. not, not just like, one. How like, many of these camel like, trains are that? out there? Yeah, John, is, is everyone walking camels? Because because especially around where we had met up, it yeah. was like we went and dropped in on the same sort mm. of stations and people. So well, yeah, it was like oh, mm. we we only had a camel train through here two yeah. days ago. Like people are going to think <laughs> and I, this I, is a camel podcast. Yeah. I, I, I ran past two. So like uh, William Creek, I also ran into another 
uh, couple, uh, Robin Bernadette. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and they'd been going for 15 years. <laughs> what? So yeah. that, they would come back They'd just to live off the Gim- land or uh, just constant trekking? Or they'd just come back to Gimpy and uh, do some work and then they would hit the road again. But mm. it was basically they were working to facilitate the funds to keep mm. on trekking. Yeah, okay. So that, them as a couple, I'd say, they've done more kilometres around God, Australia than, than anyone else. Than anyone yeah. else. Wow. They were crazy enough to walk across the country and then go back again. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's w- w- uh, that brings up something because... Because you, like doing it financially, you had your business, which it sort of helped fund what was sort of going on, I guess. Yeah. But what did what do you do? Like what like just burnt into savings? Did you just save? Like Pretty what? And, I mean, and I does it cost much money? Like well, I don't know. I mean, it cost money in the setup. Um, yeah. You know, in the really uh, probably the biggest one was you know feeding feeding my camels for the year while I was training them before I went out. Okay. Um, I I. Yeah, and, you know, buying the saddles, buying the, you know, I mean, I made my saddles, but I had to pay for all the equipment and stuff to do that and all the, the yeah. trekking gear and all of that. So the, the setup is expensive. But then when you're on the road, you know, you're not paying rent, you're not paying mm. fuel, you're not paying, yeah. you know, insurance, car insurance or, yeah. you know, um, all so of those other life things. Uh, so what, what are you paying? Like? Just monthly food, really, mm. you know. And then for me, it was, you know, pretty basic monthly food. So yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, it's no different bad. to like um, going on a caravan trip or something around mm. Australia where you, the setup costs a fair bit yeah. and, and then it settles yeah. you know, once you kind of hit the road. Mm. fuel and stuff like that. On yeah, that. But you, you don't mm. even have that, I guess. So it yeah. is. Yeah, it's pretty. pretty mm, sounds appetizing to yeah, me, actually. Pretty, yeah. simple, um, pretty simple living. Yeah. But I didn't want to have to, you know, people said, oh, you could get this or that sponsor. Or, yeah. But I sort of actually didn't want to have any restriction in that way i mm. wanted i wanted it to be 100 percent my own and i wanted mm. to be able to you know i didn't want to have branding everywhere or anything like yeah. that and i wanted also to and be able to you, turn around hey? exactly it was for me and i wanted to be able to turn around and go you know what if i don't want to do it mm. i don't have to do it i'm yeah. not a, you know i don't have any nothing else is riding on there's this. a bit of fr- and there's there you'd freedom go out there for freedom yeah yeah, yeah exactly I, i'm interested do you think um, because I, I think there is with the stuff that I try to do when I challenge myself, or mm. I feel like there's ego involved, whether it's intentional or not. Do mm. you find like it's for yourself? It's mm. not for anything else but yourself. But at the same time, do you find there's a, mm. an element of That's ego really attached to it? Really good point. Yeah, because especially I remember you know when I was out there on my own and you know you're writing a diary about your mm. your, your day or whatever, and you start to feel like. Does anyone know I'm even out here? Yes. You know, like you've set off on the trip to it. It's not like, you know, now where I've written a book or, mm. you, or you know, you've got more of a social media presence and stuff. You're, you're sort of out there going, does anyone give care. a shit or yeah. care or know that I'm out here? But then like you said, it's like you, you it shouldn't matter. Exactly. Because Are you doing you're doing it for, you? it for yourself, mm. you know. And But, yeah, I think there's it's, it's amazing how that creeps in there, that like, oh, but – Mm. I'm going through so much hardship yeah. that I need someone to know yeah. how much hardship I've been through. Yeah. You know, and, and I, yeah, I think it's it's important, I think, to come back to that and to go, no, you made the decision to go out there and, and yeah, you're right, and it's for you. And um, we were actually talking about with Jeff um, about there's this movie that's come out on Netflix and it's called The Alpinist. And oh, I um, love it. Oh, great movie. Fuck, that is incredible. Yeah. Heartbreaking, but incredible. Heartbreaking, but incredible, exactly. And what I loved, and I watched it recently the other day and I thought, yes, how good is it that this guy, you this know, I mean, okay, kid he, 
He just is doing it. He's climbing these mountains because he loves it. Yeah. He genuinely loves it. He didn't and make the no doco. Need. Like, exactly. Like he didn't even want to be in the doco and he wanted to have that. And there was, yeah, and there was a part of me that a bit from sort of film and TV background, I was kind of going, oh, it'd be cool to make my trip into a doco. Mm. But then if you have a doco, you know, you have all these people involved. Yeah. You know, and you have people traipsing around and then it doesn't become that solitary you know, not fi- I hate the word, I hate sort of saying finding yourself, but like yeah. that, you know, that, you know, getting to know who you are and what you're made of and, yeah. you know, that solitary experience. Imagine you would have pictured a little bit of what the finish or life after is going to look like when you're setting out. Like you've got rough kind of ideas, you know, and then it's very different when you get out mm. the other side. You kind mm. of... You know the person that emerges from yeah. the end is not the same. So, yeah. well, what was what was some of the things you know that uh, contrast between what you thought it was going to be like at the yeah. end versus the reality of the end of mm-hmm. the trek? And That's a good question. I think there's not a lot. I think there should actually be more sort of said about the come down from adventures. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's so much of this sort of. Uh, this hype around finishing an adventure, which is so funny because really the adventure is what happens when mm. you're throughout the whole process, yeah. you know. It's not the last day when, you you know, you reach the beach at Byron Bay, but but there's this hype that builds to it and everyone's going like, oh, you know, are you excited yeah. about finishing? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? I got how are you feeling a thousand times and I remember I thought, if someone asked me mm. one more time <laughs> how yeah. I'm feeling, I'm going to crack it, yeah. you know. But it must because be a feeling of Because you don't know loss. how you're feeling, exactly, and, and it is. It's a sort of heartbreaking feeling of of loss Mm -hmm. because you suddenly realise this whole thing that has taken so much of your focus and your your life away. You know, I mean, it was two years of walking, but it was four years of Mm. before that learning camels and and learning, you know, what I was doing with these big animals. So it was this huge chunk Mm. of my life that I'd been dedicated and Mm. focused Mm. on that. And then all of a sudden that's coming to to an end and and yeah it becomes this sort of like well who who and am i after this adventure and an empty sort of feeling a, yeah it's sort of like mm. a bit of a, a downer and i think it takes a bit to sort of find yourself yeah. after that again you know almost yeah you're yeah. kind of you're sort of left going okay well, well, well what now and yeah. you, can't, you, know? you can't resume back to the you from before mm. like so mm. you've lost the comfort of the trip and you've lost the comfort of who you used to be, mm. and and the void after is just like you know, people are asking mm. you who you are and yeah. asking you what you took from it, and you're like, I haven't even yeah. figured that out. And like, then they're asking you what's next. Yeah. Yeah. That's the next question you get. What's next? Yeah. And you kind of think, God, I've just done this massive thing. Can you just give me a break and mm. let me kind of, you know, s- you know, work oh, yeah. out what that meant for me? You know, and I think it's, you know, it's still I'm probably working out what that meant, well, you know, what well, that trip meant and what it was about and what I discovered from it. No, yeah. she, over, the, over like the last few weeks and then the next few weeks you've been horse riding in Kenya, then you've <laughs> flown to Perth to speak at an event, then you went off to a station on the goldfields to meet some people from the camel trek and you come back and you're like, oh, yeah, John, we're going skiing in I've Victoria. I've never been very good at doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so pick a fucking lane, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy was joking just the other day because, um, you know, he was saying, he was saying first of all, like he was basically saying my inner monologue, mm. which is constantly like, oh, I can't wait to be settled. 
oh, I just want to travel. I can't wait to travel again. Oh, but I want to be so nice when we're settled. Oh, but I don't know whether it's a good idea to be settled. Like, it's constantly this up, down, up, it down. A, of, I think um, that's what life is. It's a constant flux between you know, seeking that sense of adventure but also security. security so it's yeah. like – and that's why, <clears throat> I mean, I love the idea – in my head, I love this idea of uh, an uncertain journey of uh, mm. not knowing where I'm going but there's also an uneasiness mm. about like what if it doesn't pan out the way mm. I want. So you do like that um, – and I think you know level of security, but yeah, mm. yeah, home, you know, home and and knowing where home. I I think I've become in my life such a chameleon, mm. you know, and able to fit in with different places and different situations. Yeah. That, but then you, but but the cost of that is then yeah, not having that that security of that feeling of like, well, where's home and who am I? You so, know, so what, normally. So what do you replace that with? Are you replacing that with, with people and relationships as opposed to lo- a location? Mm. No, I don't, I, I don't think so. I think it's more, I think it's got to be uh, almost like an okayness with, with who you are, yes. like an internal, an inter- mm. like an internal mm. sense of home, I guess. Mm. And an internal sense of, um, you know, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's I don't. I think you know. I've really struggled with, you know. You you want sort of we want to carve out an identity for ourselves. Like mm. I'm, you know, John the you know insurance broker, or I am you know such and such the filmmaker, or I am such and such the you know. We tend to define ourselves with mm. with our jobs, mm. you know. So, but I think it's okay to be like I'm Sophie that. Likes doing a little bit of this. Yes. Likes doing a little bit of that. Likes changing my job here. Likes changing where I live there. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, yeah. like I think that's the the thing that everyone can learn from in any way is just being okay with things changing. Mm. Being okay with mm. so people like who oh, I used to push the whole preach you know, chase your dreams and be happy and blah 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 all mm. that fucking cliche bullshit. Now I understand that. Uh, yeah, it's great. Chase your dreams. Fucking go for it. But mm. you've got to understand, you're not always going to be happy. You're not mm. always going to yeah. be sad. Mm. You're going to have to, yeah, just have to be okay with the fact mm. that sometimes shit happens and then you can get around it. It's that yin and yang, you mm. know. You can't appreciate the good times without the bad times. Yeah, definitely. If, it, if I was constantly travelling, I'd get homesick. Yeah, but if I was constantly it. home, I'd want to be travelling. So the yeah. whole idea of potentially, you know, Hey, I stick stick at home for three or four months, and then I go on a little trip, or I go and challenge myself. Yeah. If I was constantly doing it, you get bored. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's the flux of life. Totally. It's the entertainment. It's yeah. the, that's what keeps us going. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, mm. and I think with all adventures, you know, that little bit of hardship makes you appreciate the good times oh, even yeah. more. You know, and, and mm. I guess you probably find this with your ultra marathon yeah. running. You know, like to to have that hardship, how good do you feel at the end of it? You yeah. know, and it's like a. a you know, a tough day, camel trekking, I always say it's like you can have the shittiest cup of tea at the end of it and a tin cup mm. that's probably te- – but it tastes like the best thing in a wor- in the world because, you know, you've, you've, you've been, been through, through a, rough, yeah. a like, rough time. I you know, you appreciate yeah. – you start to appreciate the smaller things. Oh, I, yeah. I love the way uh, Jeff described it. You know, you've got to squeeze the lemon enough, yeah. hard enough to get the pips out. Hard <laughs> enough <laughs> to get the pips out. A hundred percent. But, yeah, like even at the end of that hundred, like I still – I had this feeling of achievement. But, yeah, this feeling of loss, ah, it's mm. done. Like, that's probably for yeah. a day or so I felt like, yeah. fuck, thank God it's done. But, like, after that, I was like, oh, the yeah. whole build-up, the whole training, the whole challenge yeah. I missed. And um, 
uh, I think investing everything into that's what it has to be is the mm. is the mistake and understanding that it will come to an end. Yeah, it will and being come okay exactly. with that. Exactly. And okay. Yeah. And then there will and be something else. And there'll be another else. thing. Yeah. Exactly. For, for, for some people, like yours, is a, uh, both of you is a, an extreme example of adventure. But for some people, it might be, hey, I'm going to go try a new restaurant tonight. Totally. Um, it, yeah. It, it depends on what your level uh, of comfort. Is and pushing and I the think boundaries. You realise that there'll always be someone doing something bigger mm. and something smaller than you. Yeah. You mm. know, and it's and it doesn't matter what your form of adventure is, exactly, whether mm. yours is, is just, you know, going for, for a local bushwalk or, mm. or something like that. Because they'll they'll you know, I know yeah, you know, I think what I've done I might think that what I've done is has been, you know, this huge adventure. Mm. And then you meet people like Jeff and I go, Jesus, it looks like what I did. It's <laughs> like, you know, a walk in the park. Yeah, like yeah. you know, there's always people pushing the boundaries more. I think it's just it's just looking at what your capable of and then going "Mm, how can I put myself out there into Mm. that little bit more sort of you know push my own boundaries what is it that I'm not Mm. comfortable with or what is it that I want to explore more in general you know and people I think are often people have uh, put themselves in this situation where they're constantly comparing themselves to Mm. other people instead of perhaps just and I think I can't remember where I heard this, but comparing yourself to the person you were yesterday, yeah. and as yeah. long as you're potentially moving forward or trying to improve yeah. yourself, that's uh, you know progress is is almost equal to happiness. Yeah. I mean, when when you complete an adventure um, like Sophie and I have, then all of a sudden you're in the room with other people who have done things mm. even more amazing. Yeah, you know and. Yeah. If you buy the million dollar boat, you pen it next to the one point five million dollar mm. boat. Like so, every level that you unlock, you surround yourself by people who've unlocked the yeah. next, the next level. So <coughs> if you you're never in a room that's good enough. So mm. if if you go through that competitive and comparative mindset, yeah, and that's your measuring stick as opposed to your inspiration to mm. to, to take the next step, then you never you're never good enough. Mm. Mm. As oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to comparing mm. yourself to the day before. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And if you're taking those little baby steps every day, I think mm. yeah, you're you know. But I find myself I, <clears throat> I I'm avoiding telling people things like you can see someone will be like that will be at a barbecue and people will be chatting and someone will say yeah I did this marathon and um, it's twenty one or half a marathon twenty one k's I felt so good. and you can see this level of achievement and the level of happiness and pride they've gotten so. I'll avoid even bringing up that I've run a hundred because it's an asshole thing to say. It's like, oh, they're just sitting there spruiking like how hard, how yeah. much work, hard work they've done. Yeah. There's always something. And if I said a hundred, one of my mates just ran 187 kilometers in 27 hours. Like, there's always someone who's doing more than yeah. you. Like, yeah. so uh, yeah, I, I try not to bring up some of my achievements now in front of other people because you can see that's their that's their level, and then. Yeah. If you if you rub it in their face, no, nah, I've done more. That might yeah. maybe it says them back. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think you're always just in a battle against yourself. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Ma- ma- maybe we could remind Jimmy of that. You know, if a girl <laughs> comes in and says, "I've just walked halfway across Australia," <laughs> don't just say how much you've walked. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Jimmy, I think Jimmy goes by the theory. He used to when when he was coming up to see me, he'd often go up the the Stresleke track and he'd stop in and he'd see the local mm. publican there at. Um, uh, the Lindhurst Hotel, yeah. and um, Laurie was seventy-seven at the time, and um, uh, Laurie's advice would always be like, um, 
Event, you, you just got to keep trying, young fella, yeah. and eventually they give in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's always been Jimmy's advice that he's stood by, yeah. and um, and it's and it's worked for him. <laughs> I'm I'm interested because you spoke. We spoke about solitude and mm-hmm. finding yourself and all this the, that sort of stuff. You, you are you know early on. You're, fi- you're, you're by yourself and you've probably never been in these sorts of situations. John said in his episode that you found yourself coming to the end of a thought, a complete thought and, and not faced with all these distractions. Yeah. What were you th- finding when you were completely by yourself, no, yeah. no humans around for months? Um, what, where, where did it end up for you? What was, what was going through your head? Yeah, I was actually amazed at how how clear my thinking was. Mm. You know, I think like you said, because you don't have all this distraction of like, oh, I've got to, you know, quickly go get a coffee before work and then oh, I've got to send that email to this person. Oh, this person, you know, I need to transfer money to that person or pay this invoice. You know, like you've got 100 different things in your head normally on a given day or, you know, and then, you know, couple that in with social media and all of that information that's sort of coming in. Yeah. And... It's amazing how well your brain and memory works when it you sort of give it a bit of peace and quiet yeah. almost. Like I started to remember stuff that I hadn't remembered in years, you know, just things with friends, encounters with friends or just, you know, whatever, all these just memories surfacing that, that I um, – that I hadn't thought about. Well, that's in just because so you're away from the five G. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, the beauty of being away. I always think. Do now you, could you feel a difference being away from you know all the radio signals and stuff like? Because some people say they can feel a bit clearer. I even feel it when I go out to bloody, mm. and that's probably just the silence and the sound. But even when I go out to York out near where you just bought the, um, it's quieter. It's it's mm. it's easier. I don't know yeah. what it is. Like I started to get really um, you <laughs> sort of you almost become like an animal, as in like your senses are heightened. Yeah, you know, so you start to yeah. sort of hear more and see more, and mm. then mm. and I remember a couple of times where I'd been out on my own for you know a week or so, and then and then a car would come along, yeah. and I'd be fully on edge like an animal. Like I'd be like, oh god, I can hear something. Oh my god, who is it going to be? And you know, just that feeling of anxiety rising that wow. there was, you know, something not you know natural coming into to my space. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's it's, it's funny. It's mm. funny what it what it does to you. Yeah, yeah your, sense, <laughs> your senses really turn on. Yeah. I think one of the things that, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in the podcast, but you become more in tune even with your own body. You're feeling parts and, yeah. you know, a, a, a niggle that's starting to come up before it comes mm. up so you can correct. But, you, yeah, you seem to be tapping into and listening to a whole lot more of what's around you and, and also internally as well. Do yeah. a lot of talking to yourself. Yeah. Well, I did, a lot, I did a lot of talking to the camels and then probably talking about yourself. Yeah. You realise you've been away too long, I think, when you start to tell yourself jokes and they'll laugh <laughs> at your own <laughs> jokes too. Do I, you, do I heard it's like, uh, you know, speaking to your animals is fine. It's when they start speaking back. not okay. <laughs> what did, uh, did, you, did you start to feel like you were going crazy at points? Because it's a long time to be alone. Your donation to the gods? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started doing some weird stuff out in the desert, you know. Like I, yeah, like that superstitious thing. I Mm. started feeling really weirdly about, so so like I said, there was that spot where there was all that massacre of camels. But just before then, I'd picked up this camel skull out in the desert. And I thought, oh, this would be really cool to take home. I'll, I'll decorate it, you know, and it'll be, you know, it sounds morbid. But, you know, I thought it'd be a fun, you know, thing to have. 
And um, so I strapped it on top of one of my camels. I had this <laughs> dead camel skull riding, you know, on top, oh of, on top of my camels. And then I started to get weirded out by it because then I kept choosing these sites where with all these dead camels, I kept thinking, maybe I shouldn't have taken this skull. Maybe it's like bad juju following me around because I've got this camel skull yeah. on me. And, you know, all this stuff is just like playing in your head, which yeah. is like you'd never, you know, normally rationally, you never even think about this mm. stuff, but, you know, it's just turning over in your head. And, and I started doing this this other weird thing too where like I'd have my cereal in the morning and then and then I would get to the point where I just couldn't eat anymore and I would like and I started just throwing it out and sort of like as a like donation to the spirits of the camp. Oh my wow. <laughs> it was yeah. it was it was odd. But it's amazing the things that you mind does yeah. like and the, t- the places it takes you like yeah. i'll sit there totally and, and when i wouldn't do that thought. then i'd be like oh no i'm gonna get bad juju because i didn't give them an offering of my muesli yeah you know, it's like what oh. the hell and you could see how religions are created you're out oh. there yeah. for long yes. enough you're like wait a minute no one's told me what god is mm. or, or yeah. what the I'll just make it up. Yeah. Uh, my totally. god is the cereal god. Mm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. someone else's god is the camel head god. A hundred percent. Yeah, and I thought the and same thing. And they're doing thing. things. Yeah. And they're, yeah. Doing, and yeah. they're, and they're, they're exacting you know, their will on surely me. Surely this around storm me. has come because of this yeah. thing, you know, that I've made up. Because yeah. it feels comforting to people that yeah. it's, life's not completely out of their control. And if they feel yeah. like they have I some think that sort is of control, yeah. I, I think that's the, the what religion, dogmatic yeah. religion, is. It's comfort for people. Yeah. That and, and why, why yeah. people have, have an attraction to, uh, to religion during such troubling times yeah, yeah, that yeah. they're experiencing in their life. You know, they ca- I don't have control. At mm. least there's this one yeah, element yeah. that I can uh, mm. understand a little bit more. And can control, yeah. Would you realise that there's actually, you know... There's very little out there, out there, there that you no control. can control, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're at the mercy of everything. And, and that's probably why we're at the mercy to those thoughts, I imagine, mm. so much more about the creation of, of, mm. of mm. something to believe in whilst yeah. you're out there because yeah. we, we, we bust out of that protective yeah. bubble and the next minute we're like all of those safety features that we have grown up with totally. every single day of our life have yeah. just disappeared. Yeah. I tried to control everything. To? Like I would walk along and I would think about, you know, I'd I'd go over and over like fanatic phonetically about what sorry what's the right word phonetically, phonetically. Uh, um you know all these figures in my head I'd be sort of thinking okay I've got this many liters of water when I pull up at the next water point mm. you know I'm going to give this camel this many liters of water to drink and that camel this many liters of water to drink and then I'll fill up with this many liters and how many liters will that be at the end and mm. I'm going to walk this number of k's and there'll be this n- number of yeah. k's to to the next distance and I would go over it and over it and or over again it and again, a- again and again to yeah, the yeah. point where like I know this mm. yeah. it's actually not important I've got it written down yeah. and little book you know you don't need to be thinking about this again and again but i would spend you know because yeah you've got that time and that space to mm. to you know yeah go a bit nuts over it you up know? until the last day of my trip you know the last uh, day i was still calculating all right well i've got to be in this part of gerald at this time that time yeah. mm. you know and, and i'm not shaking that thought mm. after three and a half years yeah my one is actually because it has some rain in perth overnight last night mm. i still do the like oh my god it's raining is everything Undercover, yeah. you know, wow. I still get that lying in bed in a house. Yeah. I'm like, is all my gear undercover? And, and dri- you know? Driving past like a, a bit of a side of the road where you're like, 
oh, the feed there is really oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a great spot. You have camel vision. It's like, oh, the camels yeah. would like that spot. Oh, that's a good spot for I've, feed. And, and, <laughs> and you think the exact same way. So after I pass Sophie, yeah. um, and I, so I'm walking along her track. I'm like, oh, she's designed a good way to get through this spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the most planned part of my whole entire journey was when <laughs> I was following what Sophie did. And, <laughs> And so I'm going through, and there, I have no idea where she camped, though. Yeah. And I would just go, oh, yeah, that spot there looks pretty good. And yeah. I'd pull up, and then I'd go to get my firewood, and within three metres, yeah. right, is exactly where Sophie's yeah. camping. You can see all my yeah. camel tracks. I've got <laughs> roughly where she went, but I've got, she's like, I just went down that river system yeah, or yeah, down yeah. here. So I, I don't know exactly where she went, and even the way I'm uh, – trying to cut through the bush, mm. I'm like, that looks like a good way to get through. Yeah. Now, we're in the middle of the desert, in the yeah. middle of nowhere, mm. and I've just chosen to walk between the same two trees that Sophie walked between. Like, Love you that. just see yeah. the, the landscape and, and what's in front of you the exact same way once yeah. you've got this camel mm. vision on. Yeah. Mm. And I think, like, you talk, you guys talk about, obviously, um, trying to control everything. Uh, but it's uh, and um, the listeners will get sick of me preaching Wu Wei, but Wu Wei is the idea that you can't control everything. You can have a vision, you can have a goal. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you can have vision. <laughs> <laughs> you can ha- yeah, you can have vision. You can have a goal in life, but if um, uh, or you can have a, a, a destination or whatever. Mm. But like, let's say that water situation. What if uh, you spike one of the uh, the whatever the jerry cans on the way yeah, through exactly. and, it empties you lose and then you don't have those things so water, yeah. it's all about just um yeah you have that goal that vision that mm. direction in life or in in a, in a uh, destination or in a journey but it ends up being you can't control mm. external factors yeah so all you can do is like i'll keep moving towards that but that's come up totally. now so i might need to go around i might need to change yeah. what i'm thinking hey this new path in life has excited me i'm maybe going to take that one for the next two months i know i was planning on going there but this has come up so i think that's exactly what people yeah. need to start not they don't need to do anything i'm sorry yeah. i shouldn't say you need to start doing anything but uh, i think if people thought a bit more like that instead of trying to control every little detail yeah. mm. and just going with the flow of it not mm. working against the universe going with the universe mm. You'll be a lot happier. The path yeah. of least resistance is always yeah, the best. Definitely, yeah. And it can often lead to some pretty exciting things. Totally, I think. yeah. Yeah, you definitely find out, you know, there might be some little things that you can't, like after the camels took off on me, I, mm-hmm. and then actually well, when I ran into to Murdoch, that guy that taught me to shoot, because mm. he was ex-army, he actually drilled into me. I He, you know, got wind of, well, I told him the story about how the camels had taken off and, mm. and he was like, okay, we need to set you up for success here going out into the desert. So it was like you need to have on you every single day, you need to have your camel back of water, you need to have a lighter just in case you need to start a fire, Mm -hmm. you need to have your pocket knife on you again, your phone and the sat phone, you know, and the EPIRB. Yeah. You know, so every day when I set off, these were the – Exactly, the one thing that I could control, you know, safety-wise, and Mm. I took that really, you know, seriously and I was kind of always like, okay – Water, phone, sat phone, EPIRB, lighter, yeah. pocket knife. You know, and I would list them every single day. But then, yeah, you realise all of the other stuff you can't, you can't control. Yeah. And, and it took me a long time to to start to live in that sort of day-to-day experience rather than looking towards the end destination. I would sit out mm. there, you know, in, in the Great Victoria Desert and I would – I'd see, you know, on my maps, I would, you know, there'd be a little GPS spot of where I was and then I would zoom out 
and zoom out mm. and zoom out and there was nothing around daunting. except so daunting. And like you see so the, t- the topographical lines of the sand dunes yeah. Yeah. and it would just be this huge sea of them Yeah, and I would be mar- marking the distances going, oh, my God, I've still got Fuck. another 1,000K, you know, like and it just feels like it's just never going to end. And you there's know? so many moving parts. Like, uh, you know, you've got all these camels that, to take care of and there's all the settle so many areas for things to go wrong like other than when you lost the camels like how'd you go being a, a vet and you got to almost be a part-time botanist like how did you go adjusting to mm. what the camels couldn't could eat mm. like and, and that crash course of when you're out there you've seen the pictures of these you know uh, plants in the book Mm. You've got to yeah. look out for, all oh, right, I think that's the one that's not poisonous. And, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. You hear about a saddle store, but you, you treat one for the first time when you're out on the trip. Yeah, and totally. Yeah, <laughs> you're so making it all, you're, all you're up bet, as you're you, a botanist. you, how, you how go. How did you go? Yeah. Well, I, I, I loved being a botanist, actually. I, you know, I became fascinated. I think one of the nice things about, about walking through country um, is that you really get to see the fine detail and stuff. And I think that's that's... For me, that is the beauty of the outback. I will, I will never fully enjoy just driving through the outback. I think ever again because it's it's just a you know it's a blur when you drive past in a mm. car. Like what I love love now from the camels is is just taking it slow and being able to identify all the little flowers, being able to see exactly what things grow in what soil. Like it's amazing how much you 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 pick up through observation. Yeah. Like wow, there's all these different types of ants. Like I had no idea how many different types of ants there were and mm. ants have a bedtime there's a time that the ants go to sleep at night you know and all these little things that you you're sort of just starting to observe and become a part of you know where the stars are in the sky when yeah. the stars are coming up you know uh you know what the moon's doing and everything and and yeah so that was a, a massive you know beauty of the trip but um but yeah yeah like you said you're a vet too you yeah. know you're having to do that i remember mm. my camel's got uh sort of probably towards the end of the desert, it started to get hot and camels get this bizarre thing. Um, it's called a, a bot fly and it goes up their nasal passage. It's this big grub about this big. It's oh, just geez. disgusting, oh. about you know, a couple of inches long. And um, and it doesn't really affect them, but they sort of do this funny face. Like <laughs> yeah. You can tell it's sort of itching their, their nose yeah. afterwards. And anyway, I was I, ha- I gave them injections to try and get, get rid of it and... Um, Camels are huge hypochondriacs and I had this day where I'd walked like, I don't know, it was one of the longest days I had walked. It was like 28 k's, which I know John probably did longer days than than me but, but yeah, this was a big day and then I was, you know, in the evening tying them all up to tiny bushes and trying to strap their legs so that I could give them in injections and, and Jude, who's my fav- you know, favourite camel, just turned into this absolute monster and he's trying to bite me and kick me and then you think, like, it's, it's not that big a needle, mate. Yeah, like, yeah, look yeah. at the size of you. Like, yeah. surely it's not, you know, throwing up cut all over you yeah. and you think, why the hell am I doing this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, I'm conscious of your time because you do need you have a flight to catch. Uh, so we'll just finish on this because um, I did. Well, I am very interested, and in, uh, you you both would uh, be preaching this, I guess. And Jeff was very big on this, the resilient stuff. So obviously, having gone through a, an experience like this, you must be ultra resilient. Um, and has it carried on into? Your sort of day to day life, mm. like, do you look at it in a contextual way and go, "This is nothing compared to that." Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's something that you still constantly have to remind yourself 
of. Mm. I think it's something that you can, you know, you you start to get a bit soft again, I guess, when you go back into, you know, sleeping in a bed and, Mm. you know, under a roof. And I think you do have to remind yourself. I've always been someone, I think, that sort of can emotionally fall apart Mm -hmm. a bit. Uh, And I know there was a day early on when... After that, like I said, that first month out was really hard. The camels were losing weight. You know, it was hot every single day. The flies were horrendous. The feed was bad. Everything Mm. was bad. Um, And, you know, I got to another one of these campsites where there was no food for Mm. the camels. And I had thought that I would be going on this sort of fun, happy, exciting adventure, Mm. tripping around the outback, and wouldn't that be fun? And I thought, this is, yeah, this is horrendous. And I remember... You know, my camels slumped down because they were just, you know, dejected because there was no food for them and and they sat down in the shade and I curled up in a fetal position and just cried, you know, and then I remember just sobbing and going, I'm so sorry I've taken you on this awful adventure. (laughs) It's all my fault. And, um, and, but you start to realise too that, like, there's no one else that's going to pick you back up again. Mm. It's just you out there. I think I'd always look to other people like to comfort me, you know, and mm. and there wasn't that and I was the only one that could keep on moving and you suddenly realise as well, you, although you're out there alone, you're sort of as well a bit of a team leader, mm. you know, you've got these big animals who are your responsibility to look after and so I sort of pulled myself together and I paired it back down to, to basics and I thought, okay, I'm not sick, mm. the camels are not sick, no one's broken a leg, you know, it's it's not that we've got food, you know, I've got water. Tomorrow we're going to get up and we're going to walk to the next spot and tomorrow we'll probably be better. Hopefully we'll get to a better camp. Yeah. And I really took that and I've run with that through the whole thing, just like just taking it back, I call it, you know, taking it back to basics mm. and going, it's not that bad in yeah. the reality of things, you know. Um, and when the camels ran off on me too, it was like it's, you know, it's okay you know none of them have broken a leg you know we just need to slowly yeah re, you know regain control I need to sit down take a breath have a cup of tea and then we're going to retrace our steps back to the phone that I've lost on the ground mm-hmm. it's going to take some time and we're going to do you know and we're going to keep on moving and I thought at the beginning of my trip I thought that it would take me a year like I said I thought you know I'm gonna go on this great adventure across Australia I'll be able to knock it out in nine months it'll be fine uh and I realized after they took off on me and after I learned that hard lesson that I was like you need to slow it down Mm. it does not matter it's not a race across the country doesn't matter how quickly you get across what matters is that you just actually enjoy every day Mm. you know and and just you know put one foot in front of the other Mm. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah fucking, uh, it's an awesome journey of uh, resilience and 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 just. Uh, I think we we talked about the solitude and doing it for you, and I think that's probably the most important thing. Obviously, understanding that ego plays a role in everything. Mm. Yeah, we all want to put a nice photo up on Instagram. I'll do it all the time. Like, mm. and I've said this before. I'll cl- go climb a mountain. If I really just wanted to climb the mountain, I would climb the mountain. And not tell anyone. Yeah. And it is uh, out at Uluru where uh, Sophie spent some time. There was there's a guy out there, Chris Hill. He has um, uh, has, has assisted me halfway through the trip and assisted Sophie yeah, a he's lot. Probably to, my biggest mentor, actually. Yeah. To to get us onto these trips, and 
he said he's always happy to help someone who's just going to have a crack at it. But there's yeah. so many people that come in and like have these big dreams and talk up a big game in regards to doing a camel trek. And mm. I've come across a few. I'm sure you've come across a few now mm. as well. Mm. Um, still haven't seen anyone else even take the first step yet. Mm. There's one girl in Queensland will probably do it. Katie, I reckon she'll, mm. she'll mm. get off and do it. German mm. girl. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that sit on the fringe of it. Yeah. a bit of an idea. Mm. Yeah. And then after a couple of years, they just disappear. So the people in the, you know, whatever industry or adventure field or whatever, mm. if they see someone who's genuinely going to have a crack, they're generally more than happy to help. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you're looking at getting – everyone's got a camel trek inside them. It's mm. not necessarily <laughs> yeah, li- a literal camel trek, but – uh, you're engaged with those people out there like that uh, have already done it. You know, yes. if you if you want to learn how to play tennis, don't get a fucking swimming coach, right? Go to the right person in the right field yeah. and just pick up the phone, shoot out on Insta. And yeah. if, if that person doesn't answer, go down the list, hit the next person. Like mm. you can get the support network you need to take on any adventure you want. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I felt, you know, it's it, you just – you stay curious, I think, you know. You're curious to learn yeah. something and, and you realise that – you know, everyone has something to teach you, you yeah, know, and yeah. if you just keep, you know, looking for those people that are, yeah, and, and everyone's generally, like, willing to willing to teach you. Yeah, if you, if you, if you want to start, like, your own podcast, just come in and take someone else's <laughs> <laughs> like, There's people out there that will do this shit every day. Uh, 100%. It is, uh, and uh, I, will, I call it now, after receiving this message, I've just got the picture up, uh, it's everyone's got their own monster inside them mm. um, you were just making reference to it and I'll read you this because this is a nice way to finish up before we plug a few things um, this was sent to me um, every single one of us has a monster that lives inside of us that causes a ton of stress anxiety and frustration the workout you don't want to do the conversation you don't want to have the diet you said you'd start the task you've been putting off that's your monster until you go out and face it through urgent and aggressive action, it will keep getting much stronger, scarier and more powerful than it actually is. The reason why you have days where you struggle and don't feel like doing what needs to get done, you allow your monster to run wild. Quit feeding it and start taking action to eliminate the motherfucker. You are in full control of what needs to happen. You just haven't been exercising that control. And mm, I like that. I love that. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. Well, you all do have that monster in us. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it, for you guys it's a camel trek. But for some people it's just, yeah, the the diet that needs to start mm. tomorrow or something yeah. like that. And, um, my, and you and mainly find I think that the monster is actually in your own head. Yes. You know, the monster is bigger and scarier in your ho- own head. And when you actually, 100%. you know, start tackling that monster – it's not were as you, it's not as bad as you think. Will yeah. you think about anything you've ever been putting up or wanting to do, and the moment you do it, whether it's cut, like mm. ending a relationship or whether mm. it's starting a podcast or yeah. whatever it ends up being, the it moment you just start or do do that first step, that weight off your shoulders, that mm. feeling of freedom and re- relief, you're like. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck, this is, yeah, yeah, of course I should have been doing totally. this, you know, so. And, and then it's immediately replaced by the next monster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, John and I do always say, you know, because so many people came up to us when we were trekking uh, saying, I could never do what you do. You know, and it's and and I look at them and like you got three kids. Fuck that! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can never do what you do. That's eighteen years. <laughs> this is a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> You're <Easy>. a lunatic. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Easy. Fuck, that's good. 
Um, all right, thank you so much. I am conscious you got uh, you got to get on a flight. So, um, do you have anything you want to plug uh, before we uh, finish up? And we'll, we'll definitely you, get you guys back on. You, you wrote a book. Let him know. I did. I did write a book. My ego book's serving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just after we talked about ego, yeah. here we go. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did write a book, which is also you know I never thought that I would write a book. Actually, mm. um, my book's called The Crossing. Mm-hmm. Take that, English um, teacher. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know. I know. When I when I was in high school, and everyone thought I wouldn't. Wouldn't go any anywhere, or wouldn't yeah. become a doctor or a lawyer. It's actually and I yeah, can't even can, fucking you read. Can, you can I'm go a on a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So my book is called The Crossing, and it's out in most bookshops at the moment around yeah. Perth and stuff as well. I've seen it in some great bookshops. So yeah, it's pretty exciting and pretty. You know, I feel pretty proud to have this beautiful uh, physical copy of of. Yeah, my trip out there in the world. So. And uh, maybe we can uh, – I've got a couple of extra ones that Sophie can sign and maybe give away to the uh, couple of the Patreons. Ooh, I like that. Mm. Yeah, that'd be incredible. Patreons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we might do a little competition for that for the Patreons yeah. or something like that. Fuck, awesome. Um, <laughs> anything for you to plug, Johnny? No, mate. Just uh, the Old sign tra- behind – All uh, trades. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I don't have much to co- uh, plug. I'm on uh, on Thursday night at uh, Comedy Lounge doing Gong. That'll be fun. Might try a new couple of jokes. We'll see how that goes. And then I'm also, uh, not that you can come, I'm MC for the Triple M Sports Quiz at Crown next uh, Wednesday night. Um, I don't think anyone can just come. That might just be a Triple M <laughs> thing. So maybe oh, I so didn't need to plug that. Now you put the invite <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, well, I'm coming uh, now. And uh, yeah, just keep an eye on my socials because I'll let you know if I'm doing stand-up anywhere. Um, Delby's in Edinburgh, so check out his stuff. He's doing really well. Mm. He's going yes, really he, well. He's, he seems to be having a yeah, ball. Yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely enjoying it. He said he's done he, – he's – He's improved since last year. He's I noticed every single uh, person that's like uh, on his socials posting about, oh, it's an amazing yeah. show. <laughs> all chicks. Yeah. <laughs> it's all like, it's the most oh, incredible performer. That's different, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice classic. one, Delby. But nah, he's doing well. Cam McLaren, uh, Matt Stora. Matt Stora, actually, who uh, the listeners would know, um, he's over there doing shows and he got laryngitis and he's a singer comedian. So <laughs> it hasn't gone well. He's had to cancel about a week of episode of of shows and i think joe white kyle legacy they're all over there a whole lot of the uh regulars from the show so uh, if you're over there we've we're going well on the um uk chart so there must be some listeners so get over there and support delby and the boys and um yeah enjoy that so aside from that thank you so much for coming thank you for having me really appreciate it that was a (laughs) lot of fun john for inviting me over to wa too yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh that that was a lot of fun and um yeah and we'll get you back on when you're over again at some point so sounds good cheers